0: Pensacola's Morning News with Andrew McKay. The relationships in Tallahassee, it's different. Mornings 5 to 9, right before pep talk with Jenna
1: Barr. It's not great all the time, but there is an effort for Republicans and Democrats to sit next to each other in committee meetings and talk to each other and get along in a way that you don't always see it. Produces a certain kind of collegiality in spite of the philosophical differences.
0: Wake up with Andrew McKay in the Pensacola Morning News on News Radio 92.3. Informative. Local. Dependable.
2: You are listening to Winning with Mainstay. The opinions expressed on this edition of Pensacola Expert Panel are not necessarily those of News Radio 92 3 AM 1620, but rather the opinions of the sponsor, Mainstay Financial Services, with host Bob Burgee. provided on winning with Mainstay Financial is provided for educational purposes only and is not intended to be specific financial advice for individuals. All information presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representation is made to its accuracy. Views presented are those of Mainstay Financial and host Bob Burgey and do not necessarily represent the view of AlphaStar Capital Management, LLC. AlphaStar Capital Management is an SEC registered investment advisor. Registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor or investment advisor representative has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Opinions expressed are subject to change and do not constitute financial, legal, or tax advice. You should consult your financial professional before executing any financial strategy. Now, here's
0: Bob Bergey. Good morning. Morning. How are are you?
1: Yeah, I'm excited about the Life mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, watching you scramble. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, Getting well, your
1: ducks in the row. That's
0: right. That's right. I've I've got a lot of I've got a lot of ducks to herd right now. I got Katie.
1: She's doing great. She Look is.
0: At her. She is. Look she at her. Thinks, she came down yeah. all prepared. Writing. Yes. And
1: got her glasses on, ready to roll.
0: Yeah, very prepared. Um Actually, so prepared today was her idea as far as the topic goes uh we're we're going back to fundamentals jenna uh we're going to go back to uh what we call the five principles of investing and katie what what uh what intrigued you about this topic um here she is less than a month in into this and uh she's choosing the topics
3: well it's going back to the basics and it's something i can speak to yeah um but really, but, I think it's good to go back to the basics uh, during tumultuous times. Yes.
0: Yeah. These are, these are difficult times. Uh, so far this year. But, you know, the last week has not been bad. It has not been bad. Right. And it kind of leads us into, uh, you know, one of the five principles of investing. And, uh, you know, um, I do have to say this. Uh, w- we had uh, a segment last week that was on Medicare. Medicare is incredibly important okay but it doesn't speak you know not everyone can speak to it okay you know someone like katie's age medicare is completely out of the picture um it's uh it's something that most people don't get excited about or tend to uh do their research on or even meet with a a professional or an expert in the in the area until they're into their sixties, because as you know, you qualify for Medicare at age sixty-five in most instances. Okay, um, but uh, but investing and the principles in, of investing really has, uh, you know, what I would call universal application. Uh, Katie, wouldn't you agree that uh, you know some of the topics we discuss? during our time on tuesday mornings uh you know social security right social security is for those that are nearing or approaching retirement or are retired and choose to hold off till age 70 medicare as we talked about you know it's time specific but the principles of investing uh it's timeless and 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 again and applies everyone. to everyone say it again yeah.
3: yeah for everyone for everyone for
0: everyone, for everyone. Twenty-year-olds, thirty-year-olds, fifty-year-olds, sixty-year-olds—you know, everybody. Um, okay, so as as we get started, uh, what we like, you know, like we wanted to share w- with our listeners is, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or if you just want to share a story, please call us here at the station, eight five zero four three seven sixteen twenty. But. Uh, but, Katie, the first thing, you know, we want to we share with our listeners is uh, many investors, you know, most investors think they should follow the advice of experts. And I'm not saying that's not true. Uh, but um, you also need to follow, you know, some certain principles of investing. Um, you know, I think we've all run into somebody that has a hot tip, or you know an individual stock, and um, or at a, at a certain point in time when you should get in the market and when you should get out of the market, but the very first uh, the very first principle that uh, you know the very first principle of investing is what, Katie?
3: Asset allocation.
0: Exactly, exactly. And now that
3: being more important than you know selecting individual securities.
0: Right, right. And, you know, studies have shown that um, your returns and uh, certainly de-risking your portfolio uh, is dependent on your asset allocation, not the specific choices or the specific stocks or uh, investments that you choose. So, uh, for example... A 20% equity or 20% stock and 80% bond or fixed income portfolio is actually less risky than a portfolio that is all fixed income. Um, That's because you have a diversification, certainly. You have a hedge when, you know, in this environment, when interest rates are rising and bonds, especially existing bonds, um... Will be devalued in an environment where interest rates are rising. Now, on the other, on the flip side of that, the equities haven't had a great year, right? We're we're in the middle of March or uh, approaching the end of March, and the market is down. But over the last week, over the last uh, I think six, over the last six trading sessions, the market is actually up eight percent. Okay, so it it again we go back to uh, the asset allocation. The asset allocation will drive your performance and certainly dictate your risk more than choosing individual stocks, individual bonds, etc. Katie, let's go through the uh, uh, really what we would call the life cycle of investing. Um, uh, you you start out <clears throat> you start out with an investment because you like the investment or you like the sector. Or you like the space, whether it's value or growth or the style, value or growth. But you make that investment, and you know what is what is your what is your buying decision based on?
3: Some sometimes greed, greed, <laughs> greed. thinking
0: you know uh, you know as Charlie Munger. Uh, Charlie, M- we were watching on uh, we were watching a special this last weekend, and and Charlie Munger, the uh, vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway, said. You know, a lot of people say that uh, uh, you know the world is driven by greed. Well, he said the world is really driven by envy, okay? It's not greed. It's not accumulating assets, okay? It's wanting to have what the next guy, you're, you know what you know, keeping up with the Joneses. you want to have, you know or you know w- whatever is influencing you, whether it's TV or you know society in general. Uh, envy is what drives uh, behavior. It is not greed. Hopefully, it's not greed. I think in some instances it is, but uh, I thought that was a that was a, a terrific quote uh, by Charlie Munger um, that uh, the world is driven by envy, uh, not so much greed. But um, if you have a position, or you have, uh, as we said, a, um, a sector or industry that you want to invest in, perhaps you buy a mutual fund, an ETF that addresses that, or you have a certain style of investing, a a value or growth stock, and you choose that. Um, That decision is based on a lot of inputs, but certainly you want to do better. You want to buy it and have it go up. I don't know if that's necessarily necessarily greed, but it's certainly um, prosperity Mm -hmm. and other objectives, right? Yeah. Um, What happens after after the... uh, the initial purchase okay we have something that looks like uh, 2022 where the market goes down Mm -hmm. uh, almost in bearish territory
3: yeah i think people get fearful
0: fearful you you become you become concerned you um uncertain you, you second you second guess your decision okay and then something happens like the last uh couple of several Uh, or a couple of trading sessions, I'd I'd say several, certainly the last six or seven days, you know, the market pops back up. Okay? And, you know, and then what happens? This cycle is repeated over and over and over. You know, you make a decision. uh, You make the best decision you can. That's usually the purchase. Okay? The same thing can happen on on the sales side, um, which uh, which will go to our next topic, right? Um, You know, not asset allocation, but time and time in the market, not trying to time the market but the the initial investment decision a lot of things go into that um, and it's not always going to be rosy, but over time over time um, that decision hopefully will pay off okay um, let's uh look's let's, let's expound a little bit on um, on the uh, on principle one, which is uh, uh, asset allocation it is more important than se- security selection as we as we have established um, in the in the 2020s and it's kind of weird to say that we're in 2022 but in the 2020 in the 2020s investment success is not about being a good stock picker it's truly choosing an asset allocation committing to it embracing it and uh, and being in that uh, asset allocation for the long haul um, uh, lots of skilled, um, investors or experienced investors certainly look for opportunities in stocks. Um, they will use lots of, lots of measures. Okay. Price to earnings ratios, uh, earnings growth, um, you know, market capitalization. Um, you know, a lot of investors make a decision on choosing a stock, uh, based on whether it pays a dividend or not, right? Uh, We have lots of investors like that. Um, And we'll talk about the value versus growth um, styles, you know, here in the second half of the show. But 70 to 80% of the trading volume in the stock market is actually done by, say that word, Katie?
3: Algorithmic
0: algorithms by algorithms. Now, that's amazing. It's not based on decisions that humans make or feelings or emotions. It's based on algorithms, trigger events, okay? A stock reaches a certain price, okay? Um, Perhaps a stock drops to a certain price-to-earnings ratio, and it's instantly purchased. Certainly, stock options, okay, are triggered by an event. It's either triggered by an algorithm or hitting a certain price or a certain measure inside that stock but i think that's an, a very interesting uh i think that's a very interesting uh, statistic almost 70 to 80 percent are triggered by something other than emotion all right um also we need to remember that stocks bonds mutual funds are priced daily right Pric- uh priced 24 7 actually um the 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 trans the transac- the transactions um, travel at the speed of information. I'm not going to say the speed of light, but certainly, as soon as information is disseminated, uh, distributed, uh, it is priced into the stocks. Okay, but true investment opportunities are short-lived because nobody, in a perfect world or in per- or in a perfect market, nobody has any information. That is not available to everyone else okay now that's you can argue that you can argue the opposite right. Right? right That you know insider information and but but in a perfect market in a market that is supposed to operate the way we want it to um everybody is is uh operating under the same information parameters um but you know you may want to ask yourself, what special stock picking edge do you possess, or do you have that would give you an advantage in the markets? And I think one of the uh, one of the greatest advantages is defining, articulating your plan, articulating your investment objectives, and sticking to them. Okay, you have to have a plan. You have to define that. You have to, you know, before that even, before even defining your plan, articulate it to someone, yourself, and you need to execute the plan. You need to stick with it, embrace it, okay? Through the good times and bad. Now, of course, your plan at age 25, 30 um, is not going to be the same plan, and your your investment objective, your risk tolerance, uh, your liquidity needs are not going to be the same, in your early, um, early in your career, or in your 20s, 30s, as it's going to be in your 60s, 70s, or 80s, they're going to change over time. So the plan you have in your younger years is not going to endure for the rest of your life, and and I think we all know that. Um, all right, so do not confuse trading with investing. I think that's important. You know, instead of chasing that. Um, that unicorn investment that one that you think is just going to going to go crazy katie what give me a give me a stock that everybody's just really really hot on these days
3: tesla yeah exactly <laughs> that's, that's it, always what comes to mind yeah
0: you know tesla i'll, I'll tell you another one robin hood is the trading platform you know with your phone and uh but it's you know it's uh you, I, I think a lot of people bought that at first, and uh, you know certainly the price has suffered since then. But um, you know, instead of, and and we keep hearing about these, and we don't want to pick on these companies, but uh, you know Facebook was something that came out and immediately dropped to sixteen bucks a share, and now it's gone crazy. Okay, so the people that got out early, you know, that did not retain it. Uh, there was an opportunity cost. They didn't stick to the plan. I don't think anybody purchases a position, whether it's in a stock, a mutual fund, an ETF, with the hopes or, or uh, with a plan to sell it in the very near term. When you purchase a stock, when you purchase a mutual fund or, or something in any investment in a certain sector, industry, or, or uh, style, you don't buy it with a plan to sell it. That goes against everything we talk about in terms of uh, spending time in the market and not trying to time the market. But uh, the, the unicorn investments we talked about focus on establishing the right asset allocation and the right combination of stocks, bonds, uh, mutual funds, other assets, You know whether it's real estate, collectibles in your portfolio. Uh, that meet your investment objectives, your risk tolerance, and, um, you know, and the needs you've defined, hopefully, with your investment professional. Um, So asset allocation has a bigger impact than security selection. We've established that. Um, More than 90 percent of the variability of a portfolio's performance is due to asset allocation. That's that's an incredible figure. 90 percent is due to the asset allocation, not to the underlying stocks, bonds, mutual funds that you've purchased. It's the asset allocation, folks. It's the asset allocation and not, and, and little else that will dictate your performance, your risk, and your your volatility even uh, during the term of your, or your holding period with your investments. Um, okay. Katie, that's principle one. Principle one, we're done. Asset allocation. What is principle number two?
3: Yeah, and you hit on it a little bit, but it's about time in the market, not timing.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so time in the market, not timing the market. Many investors, uh, I would say most investors, think they should change their portfolio. Um, you know, uh, chase the most recent, uh, the most recent investment or what they think is going to be hot, okay, um, and when when they do this, obviously their market sentiment changes, okay. But what what did we just say? You know,
3: stick with your plan. Stick
0: with your plan. Embrace your plan, okay. You've got to do that, and so <clears throat> market timing. Okay, let's talk about market timing. Um, we've got we've got a chart and you know it is a chart but but we can we can share this okay we can share this with our listeners this uh... these numbers are uh... there there ought to be a disclaimer before we read this because it will really blow your mind okay katie we talked about this chart when we saw this at uh... a couple weeks ago at the conference in orlando where everybody was looking at each other like these numbers can't be right. But let me share, let me share these um, statistics with you. And I know it's difficult over the radio, but um, over the last 15 years, 15 years, if you invested money in the stock market 15 years ago and you remained in the market the entire 15 years, okay, that's a long time. But you would be up 360 percent. Okay, that's that's a pretty solid return. Okay, 20 percent is a solid return. We'll take that anytime uh, on an annual basis. But 360 percent return in the stock market, the broad-based index, the S&P 500, over the last 15 years, if you missed just the 10 best days during those 15 years okay 10 days just 10 days your return would only be 111 percent compared to what katie 360 percent right i mean it's it's unbelievable if you just missed 10 the 10 best days in the market your return would have dropped from 360 percent to 111 percent um Let me take it a step further. If you missed the 20 best days during those 15 years, okay, your total return over those 15 years would be a measly 28%. Now, again, over 15 years, if you missed the 20 best days, instead of 360% being fully invested, your total return would be 28% a fraction of the former okay this is the last one if you missed the thirty best days over the last fifteen years in the stock market and again we're using the s&p 500 the broad-based index if you missed the thirty best days instead of earning three hundred and sixty percent katie i'll let you uh... i'll let you share that number if you missed the 30 best days in the market over the last 15 years, instead of earning 360%, you would have earned what?
3: You, well, you'd be down 16%. You would have
0: lost 16% if you missed just the 30 best days. That's two days a year on average. Anyway, that is, uh, that is you know, when we saw that, when this was presented, and you know how many... Uh, uh, compliance and uh, how many, um, I don't know, how many tests th- these statistics go through before you can present them. Um, but anyway, these these are accurate. But if, uh, you know, again, yeah, so what are we talking about? We're, tr- we're talking about time in the market, not trying to time the market. If you missed the last week in the market, you would have lost a lift north of 8%. So that's very difficult to, uh, again, I, on the radio, really tough to to share these statistics. But, um, again, we want to hammer home the point that you've got to stay in the market. It is time in the market, not timing the market. Define your plan. Um, you know what? Commit to the plan. You can do that by sharing that with others or put it, putting it in writing. That's what we do with our clients. We have them take the 10... Uh, the 10-Question Investment Objective Questionnaire. And once they've articulated their risk tolerance and their investment objective, we move their assets into a portfolio that is in line with their investment objectives and their risk tolerance. So once you have that plan, you stick with it and uh, through good and through bad, and you will be rewarded. All right, we've got the news with Mark. back. Thank you for the news, Candy.
1: Candy, get it right. <laughs> Sorry, Candy. She will Candy. come over here and cut you yes. with a Pop-Tart.
0: Yeah, that's right. She always brings me Pop-Tarts. So.
1: so sweet. So I think
0: we're good. I think we're good. We're ready still to good. rock and roll. Okay. So, of course, fundamentals. of course, Jenna, during the break, has all these questions. Okay. But, uh, okay, Jenna, I'm, I haven't put you on the hot seat in a while. Great. But over the last couple couple of years when would you have thought the market hadn't performed well
1: so i'm actually going to go with um like two about two years ago from now when everything not really shut down but everything just dropped out people stayed home from work they didn't know if they would have a job there was just you know factories were shutting down um there was so much chaos and unknown in the world i feel like that would have probably been the worst time Whether it came to the S&P or just people investing in general. Okay. So March and April 2020, I'm going to say. That's my guess. Okay. The end of March and April. And of
0: course, you know, I've got my cheat sheets in front of me. But Mm -hmm. uh, from February 19th high. In
1: 2020. Of 2020. Okay. Yeah,
0: the February 19th high of 2020 to the March 23rd. Low, of 2020. Okay, almost two, one, two years
1: ago tomorrow. Yeah,
0: one month, just one month, right? That's February it. 19th to March 23rd of 2020. The market, Was the
3: horrible. market went
0: down. Do you have a guess, Katie? How much? Oh,
3: I don't know. 34 percent. 34
0: percent. 34 percent in a month. In a yeah. month. So I mean that's a lot. And you know we we now call it and you know the history books will call it the flash crash of 2020 um that's when you know i think it was somewhere around the 11th of february when news started coming out of the uh about the uh, wuhan province in china yes and then of course i think the first case was seattle and then, you know, something in Chicago and then... The
1: major cities, yes. yeah. Yes, and then... With the major airports. And then
0: you know what happened after that, right? So February 19th was when the market started tanking, okay? So the interesting thing about this, and what were we talking about, Katie? Not time, not timing, <laughs> not timing the timing, market, but time, but time, in, time the market. in the market, because well, what happened... Um, in April of 2020, Katie.
3: So, April 2020 was the strongest month for the S&P 500 in 30 years. In the
0: last 30 years, April of 2020. So,
3: yeah, and just in general, you know, strong gains follow strong losses.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I mean, it makes sense because if the markets were valued, or if if stocks were valued accordingly, uh, you know, before. You know, this, uh, you know, an outside, not an outside, but any sort of stimulus, okay? And, of course, COVID was the stimulus in this instance. But any sort of uh, stimuli in general that affects the market, um, the, you know, we have to believe that the market was priced accordingly before that, okay? Okay. So when, when, when we have an injection of, of some sort of stimuli, uh, it will affect the market's. But if and when things go back to normal and we are getting more back to normal, I think we'd all agree to that. There's other things going on in the Ukraine and things like that. But certainly from that in that stimulus in in particular, um, you know, it's it's starting to subside. I like to believe that. I think we all do. But uh, so March, pretty much March of uh, March of 2020. Uh, The worst, I'm not going to say it was the worst month because I don't have that in front of me. One of the worst months in the last 30 years because the market dropped uh, from February 19th, 2020 to March 23rd, 2020, a total of 34%. That's got to be in the top three drops in a month. Um, It might be the highest. But that was quickly followed by the best month in the last 30 years the strongest month in the last 30 years in the stock market so uh, again what a what a great case study for remaining invested in the market even this last uh, this last couple of months uh, say since the beginning of this year um, first couple of months of this year we were almost in bear territory Mm -hmm. um, 20% correction Uh, almost but not quite all right but since in the last week the market's up right around eight eight and a half percent um you know going back at least six or seven trading sessions we're up every bit of eight percent so stay in the market that's all we're saying do not panic all right so we've covered asset allocation we've also uh covered uh not timing the market but remaining in the market spending time in the market. and uh, we want. I guess the other thing we wanted to close with on that, Katie, is um, if you are, if you're just smarter than everyone. Okay, if you've got a, if you if something tells 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 you that you need to get out of the market, and let's say, you know, um, let's say you're getting older, you want to take you want to de-risk your portfolio, um, but perhaps you want to get back in the market at some point. Okay. It's not as easy as it sounds, right? Right. You know, there's there's a lot more than okay. I think I'm getting out of the market because it really involves a number of decisions.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You've got six decisions that you have to make. All right, um, Katie, go, why, why don't you share some of? The, well, there's six decisions. Why don't you take that?
3: Yeah. So to successfully time the market, you need to get all six of these things right one you have to know when to sell two what to sell three how much to sell
0: right that's the first part that's 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 getting out
3: yeah that is getting out of the market yeah and then yeah four five and six are you need to know when to buy what to buy and how much to buy right
0: so when to buy that's a timing decision okay something we've preached against. But if you need to get out of the market, if you need to de-risk your portfolio, if you have a liquidity event, you need to purchase something, okay? A new house, a second home, um, pay for college education, and you want to get out of the market. Timing, um, you know, I I say don't try to time it because it just involves all of the decisions Katie, um, you know, Katie shared with us. Um, When to sell, that's the toughest, I think what to sell and how much of it to sell that's uh those are three decisions that go into uh getting out of the market and then of course getting back in the market another timing decision when When to buy buy what and how much on the buy side because because anybody that got out you know say you know a couple months ago or during the last couple of months they sure wish they would have bought in about eight days ago you know before this nice lift right so when to buy what to buy and how much of it to buy so six decisions it's not just getting in and so out so
1: is there a time not to buy like an actual time uh, that you're just like never never do it
0: you know that's
1: <laughs> like that like, you say it like that like, to your clients yeah,
0: well you know what like maybe february 19th of 2020 before the 34 percent flash that would have been a really bad yeah that would have been a great time to sell
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a great time to sell um right. okay uh, but in terms of buying and yeah. selling okay i you know dollar cost averaging is a very powerful um way of investing your money okay the the most um uh, you know the best example of dollar cost averaging your money into the market is participating in your employer's 401k or retirement plan whatever the retirement plan is um, Hey, we have folks that contribute their um, annual contribution limit to their IRAs. You know, their Roth IRA or their traditional IRA. And so, what is that? Seven thousand dollars divided by twelve. I think it's five hundred and thirty-three bucks. It may be wrong, but Sounds they have good. it. Hold on, they have it coming out of. <laughs> they have it coming out of their. Are you banging out those numbers over there?
1: In my brain, and it okay. hurt.
0: I can't remember, but. They take 7,000 divided by 12, I think it's 533 bucks a month, and that money goes into their account every month and it goes into the market. That is dollar cost averaging. You're taking money every month or every two weeks out of your paycheck and you're investing it. I love that, Jenna. Okay? You're going to hit the highs, you're going to hit the lows, but most importantly, you're getting your money into the market. You're getting your money working harder for you. Word, word sitting yeah, in cash. Yeah, dollar
3: cost averaging is pretty much the opposite of timing the market. Exactly. It is investing exactly. consistently, an amount. At but the with, same time. with a four
0: hundred and one k, you don't have to do anything. I mean, right. it's just coming out of your account and it's going it's on into autumn. the allocations you've selected. Right. Um, let's see. We now we had a client. We had a cl- and and it's these are. I, I think everybody follows the story. But we had a client, and um, he retired from one employer career, been there 40 years. And when the money comes over from a fully invested position, like out of his 401K, we say it's our policy to get it fully invested right away. Because it's not coming from cash. It's coming from a fully invested position. So if the money is coming out of a 401K or out of a retirement plan that somebody has, we will immediately invest it. So this was about December of last year. So the money comes in, and I call him, and I say, his name is Don. I say, hey, Don, we need to, uh, the money is in. Uh, We'd like to go ahead and get you fully invested. And he said, you know what? Kind of got a bad feeling. I think what I'd like to do is just hold off a little bit. I said, well, can I suggest we dollar-cost average it over the next three months, next four months? You know, you take 25% and invest it over the next four months. You know, we talked about the the value of dollar-cost averaging, and he agreed. So after a month, we plug the first 25% in. And the next one, we plug the next 25% in. So what's happening uh, in January and February of this year? The market is going down, okay? Mm -hmm. Don has already won, okay? So in March, we make the third uh, allocation, January, February, March. We've got 75% of it invested. Now, the fourth one, the market's gone up. It's ticked up considerably uh, for this fourth one. And so, we'll, you know, it, it's looking like we're going to invest the fourth one at a higher rate. But look, he's already won, okay? He said, I, I feel like we need to dollar-cost average. I'm not confident in the market at this point. But this is uh, really more of a, uh, something we agreed on, you know, a, uh, uh, a meeting of the minds, if you will. Instead of putting it all in the market at one time, we dollar-cost averaged it into the market, now, sometimes people will say, hey, let's wait. I'll tell you when to invest it. That usually does not work out so well. We've seen that over and over, right, Katie? Right. You, you, you get the check and, oh my gosh, we're going to put all this money in the market? Well, it was already in the market. Come on. So we get it invested as a policy, but sometimes the dollar cost averaging works out um, really well, as it did with Don uh, over the last uh, three months. Anyway, all right. So we've got, Asset allocation, time in the market. Katie, what's the third principle?
3: The third is investing involves trade-offs.
0: Exactly. But the trade-offs, as we say, you have risk, you have return, and you have liquidity. Okay? Some people like to call it prosperity, certainty, and liquidity. But I think risk, return, and liquidity defines these uh, defines these uh, well. But... The interesting thing about the three components of any investment—risk, uh, return, and liquidity—is you can only have two. Right. You can have any two, but you can't have all three. Um, certainly, with stocks, you have liquidity and you have return. Okay, um, you know you you've got very high returns, but you know what you don't have is certainty. You do have you you have risk, but you know i guess i guess the three categories should be li- risk uh or how about no risk return and liquidity okay but with stocks you certainly have risk so with bonds you do have certainty you know you're going to get your coupon uh and when we talk about bonds this is fixed income and you also have liquidity and a lot of people say you know are you kidding me? Stocks and bonds are liquid. Yes, they are. They can be traded daily. Uh, we can get you your money in two days. You know, um, we. You know, if if you if you need money, we sell today. It settles tomorrow. You have your money in your checking account the following day. So yes, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, very liquid. Um, but on the fixed income side, you do have certainty. On the equity side, or what we call the stock side you do not have certainty you have risk but again with risk comes great reward and especially if you spend a lot of time in the market now the you know the third type of investment what we would call a structured product and we're really talking about annuities possibly whole life policies yeah. life insurance policies you have certainty or certainly no risk and you do have a decent return or what we call prosperity what you do not have is liquidity and always know that a lot of the life insurance products and we're not you know we're not speaking ill of life insurance products we use them we use them often uh, in our client portfolios but uh, you do sacrifice liquidity to some extent with uh, with what we call the structured products or or life insurance products but uh, again with high risk, typically comes a higher return or a, or a greater likelihood or probability of return. But you must afford yourself time in the market. You can't, uh, you can't expect to uh, have tremendous gains uh, over the near term. And certainly the beginning of 2022 is, is a great case in point. Um, and with low risk, t- typically comes a lower return. If you're not taking on any risk, you really can't expect a high return. Great example of that are our clients who we uh, who insist on uh, at times purchasing a CD. You know, right. it's the uh, it's a pretty easy decision, but the opportunity cost is profound, and we always like to point that out. So again, investing investing does involve trade offs, but. Uh, um, you know a lot of those trade-offs uh... can be a lot of those trade-offs can be absorbed and, uh... liquidity is not always an important thing to folks a lot of times with the structured products or what we call the life insurance products the greater need is on income and if you go ahead and sacrifice liquidity for the sake of generating income oftentimes that's a very good thing All right. Katie, we're on to number four.
3: Yeah. This gets a little more
0: qualitative, right?
3: <laughs> it's control the controllables.
0: Talk about uh, what can we control.
3: So, expenses. Yes. Just your monthly, you know, I guess, money going out.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, um, I, to some extent. You right. know, I, I mean, look, um, I don't think anybody out there really thinks that um, anybody... Any investment is entirely free. Um, they are, in many cases, if you know certainly you uh, you have an online account, uh, you can purchase equities and there is no cost. Now, you may purchase it at a higher price than you otherwise would through uh, possibly an institutional platform. But I think a lot of a lot of investors, Katie, embrace the fact that they don't see a fee. But the fee is in there, and it's really your, um, you know, your. Everybody is making money on the margins, okay? If if they weren't, the selling price and the selling price and the purchase price would be the same. So that spread is where the vendor or whoever you're dealing with is making money. But if you don't see it, like a lot of people don't see the fees inside their mutual funds or even know about it. If you don't see it, you don't think it's there okay but it is but control the controllables and the first one is what you're paying what you're paying for these services or what you're paying inside the investment uh, can oftentimes be a lot more than what you're you're thinking Um, and most of the time more than what you're seeing but the next one is taxes okay now in non-qualified or excuse me in qualified accounts it's not an issue but in some cases you can control taxes you can't you can't uh eliminate taxes but right. you can mitigate the tax hit and that's yeah. There are, uh, uh,
3: there are unnecessary taxes yeah
0: and uh katie and i met with somebody last week and they had uh they had some positions that they brought over that had a loss and we went ahead and liquidated them so that they could get a tax break for the, for the year 2022 that was huge um but to some extent, you can control the taxes you pay. Um, and then the last thing, of course, is uh, controlling unforced errors. Or how about you can eliminate those. And that, of course, is sticking with the plan. And you always want to stick with the plan. And if we have, if we have uh, harped on anything in this segment of the show, it's that you need to stick with your plan, right? Yeah. All right. The last one, Katie. Hit it.
3: Oh, um, so build your portfolio for the long long haul, yeah, long term.
0: Okay. And, you know, in the last couple of minutes, uh, again, these last two are very qualitative. Um, and I think this goes to the, uh, um, you know, really to the first two points. You know, define what you want to do, your asset allocation, um, and stick to it. Okay. Uh, make sure your portfolio is built for the long term you don't want a portfolio with a few positions because you think a certain industry um, or, or a sector or a certain style is going to do well you want it built for the long haul so that you're not needing to make these changes all right so another show is in the books jenna
1: yes go through all of them really fast lightning
0: lightning fast okay you gotta- okay,
3: asset allocation is more important than security selection. 2. It's about time in the market, not timing. 3. Investing involves trade-offs. 4.